to the Sub Pop Cult Podcast. I'm your host, Michael McGruther. And today, I have a special guest. You know her as Cake in a Crisis. I know her as an interesting individual who suffered a traumatic experience in her life that was confusing and hard to understand. But by the grace of God and by the mystery of faith, she is finding herself a new life as an artist. Let's talk to Cake in a Crisis. All right. So, Cake, how many people really know your name? In the real world or online? Online. Like, am I allowed to call you by your real name here? Or should I just call you Cake and we just just leave it at that? Let's just stick with Cake for now. There's still some, you know, legal things going on. So we'll stick with Cake for now. Well, I love your the username you chose, and I love that when I reached out to you, you explained to me the genesis behind it. We're mm-hmm. both from small towns, and I didn't know that about you. Uh, I tend to reach out to people that I find interesting and try to befriend them, and you're one of those people. And when I asked you kind of about your name, I knew a little bit about your story. There's things you've shared online uh, that all of us know about you. You've had a difficult situation with a man in your life an important man in your life, because he was your husband, who did some things that violated your privacy and really shook you to your core. And you said to me that if you grew up in a small town, you know how when something bad happens, all the neighbors bake a cake and they bring it over. And that's why you chose cake in a crisis, because you were in a crisis. And it was this artistic thread running through you that is so loud. I want you to know all the way from over here in the East Coast. I feel you, right? I feel your art. I feel it. And that juxt- that compare- that cake and crisis put together is, is just brilliant. And I think it really reflects the brilliance that's inside you that you have to clear away all these cobwebs of emotions to fully reach. And inviting you on this show is, is a chance to open up a little bit about your artistic process, how it makes you feel, how it helps you connect with that hidden beauty that has been robbed from you, and also just what it's like to to be cake in a crisis. Mm-hmm. So I, I like how you say it was robbed from me because I see it as it was given to me, right? Um, and I can see it both ways. Uh, yeah, I can't wait to talk. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no worries. I, I like that. I like that. I, I I didn't even know Mike for the longest time. I was an artist, right? I, it was a hobby. I did it in high school. I, you know, doodled, whatever. And so when I say I feel like I was given the beauty after everything, um, I truly mean it because I had no idea I had this inside of me. No idea. I never, like, strived to be an artist. It was never a goal of mine. And... It just spills out now. I can't stop it. Do you think that most people have this uh, this capacity within them, but it's just damped out by our culture? It's just put out. Like that that little kid who goes and says, look at my drawing, Mom. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see your math score, right? Right. So do, so right. you feel that that is, is uh, it's kind of out of reach intentionally, huge. isn't it? It's huge. It, it's, you know, I... Cause I catch myself doing it with my own children. Cause we all, we, mm. we're all busy. Right. Yeah, but absolutely. And it's also taboo culture and society. My problem was I couldn't figure out a way to get my story out. Right. And it was killing me inside. I, 
I had nowhere to turn. I, when I would try to tell people, they would clearly shy away from me. Um, it made them nervous. I understood that. And so I kept a lot to myself. And my art was the only way culturally to get my story out um, where I didn't have to explain myself and, and risk being ostracized, you know, or, or people being too scared of, of my mess to even come around me. And um, that's so unfortunate that, that, our, that our culture and society um, puts people in that position to where they don't, they don't know. Well, it's a dehumanizing culture. It's, it's, so, it's really it's so dehumanizing. It's against humanity. It's against the small, beautiful things. And you've written some posts that have really profoundly affected me because it might be something like a blog post you wrote where you said, um, you know, just in a, this long drive, you took a wrong turn and you ended up down streets that you didn't ever go down before. And you saw all this beauty around you in the most basic everyday surrounding of your life, which by the way, is the hardest thing to do. It's the yes. hardest thing to do. I was just, I recorded an, an episode yesterday with another friend and we said, we, we narrowed in on this like Chesterton who I love and you see me retweet mm -hmm. his quotes mm -hmm. a lot. But he, he said like to a humble person, to a truly humble person, an ocean is an ocean, a sunrise is a sunrise, right? And so right. the things that the, you experienced in life brought that ability back to you at a great Absolutely. price, at a great, great price. But that thing you have, that vision you have, that filter that filters through all your emotions and gives us your art, that's healing you, isn't it? Well, that's the thing. I had to claim all of that pain and confusion back as mine. That's mine. Right? You own it. It's mine. And I want to do something with that, okay? I, 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 did, I don't want to end up like my husband, who wasn't able to handle his pain correctly, right? That, that's why we were in the situation we were in. Right. And um, I have two beautiful kids. I, I look around and I see beautiful souls like you. We have so many other friends that are beautiful. And I, 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 want, I want that for everybody, you know? Oh, well, you're mostly. reaching people. You are. You are. I, I mean, am, I see. It's, it blows my mind. Yeah. When I see somebody tweet like, yeah, her art looks great on the wall and there's four pictures framed, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. like that's incredible stuff. That is it's surreal. I know. But what they're doing is they're taking they're carrying away your pain mm -hmm. in little little buckets. Ah. You know, mm -hmm. that's how I see it. And it's, mm -hmm. that's a wonderful way that the really human, like that. the human, uh, you know, the human world is is helping you indirectly. And, and it I helps think, me because yeah. I think sometimes I lay in bed at night and I go, my art is like out there. My soul is on people's walls. You know, people yes. are investing in my soul. Right. And that is so beautiful to me. Yeah. Yeah. But like you said, the price I've had to pay for it has been extremely steep, but I do it again. A million yeah. times. Yes, well, you know, your art has a liveliness to it, a a drama about it, a mm -hmm. you feel it. Like I said to you once when you you tweeted some little picture and a little bit of text, it was just an artistic expression. Like like my daughter draws and she draws mm -hmm. beautifully, but it doesn't mm -hmm. feel like something that I see when you post it. And I think that that is mm -hmm. really one of the hard parts about art these days is that anyone can do it, but not anyone can do it 
as a way of coming out of a terrible experience that right. opens up the artistic ability. Like that to me right. is is very right. unique. That is like, you know, and, and, an answer to a prayer. And that's when the soul is really, really captured, right? It's, it's yeah. like sitting in class, you know, when, when we were all in high school, I hated math, right? I, I never wanted to be told I had to do math. I hated it. It made me hate it that much more. And so people who get into art to make money or just to get into art to get into art, there, there's always that that part of the soul that's lacking in, in the artwork, you know. Oh, absolutely, and you, you, yeah. You can you can tell that, right? Yeah. And so I never went looking for this. It came to me, and um, I utilized it. And uh, I'm glad you can see. I'm glad you can see my soul in there. Yeah, no, I think a lot is. of a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful soul, and none mm-hmm. of us make it out of this world without having our soul ripped to shreds or attempted to be ripped to shreds by the right. world. Right. That is the game. So the thing that I want you to always remember is you're not alone in suffering and in having mm-hmm. bad things happen. That's that's one of the, I guess, one of the big moments that, that I came to that I can share with you is when I was younger, I would go around and complain about all my problems. And then one day, one of my mentors was doing the same thing. And it just struck me as like, I'm not the only person in this world who has problems. Right, right. And I and that was very freeing for me. Um, so anyway, enough of that. I want to get on to mm-hmm. other stuff. I want to talk about what it's like to be a woman in a culture that literally encourages women to make themselves into the objects of use for men. I know that's a loaded question. I know that I know it's deep, it's loaded, but whatever you can share, any insight Mm -hmm. you can give to help us understand what that's like, so that when people make ridiculous jokes, they think twice. They think maybe that's someone's daughter, that's someone's mother, that's someone's niece. And and I think they forget that because women are so dehumanized at this point that where do we go from here, you know? Right. And and so my my situation, you know, I was I was married and and throughout the whole marriage for a decade I was an object. And to sit and think that I was put on this earth for another human to use me killed me. It it killed my soul. It that was that was a dark dark night when I when I realized, you know. And then I thought of my mom. Did my mom have me just so other people could use me? Wow. Are my children's mother, was she put here so that she can be used? Like all of these people, all these, this inner circle of mine, right? I don't want these people to ever think that I am nothing more than a body. I want my kids to know their mom is strong. She has a brain. She has a heart. All of these things. She has her own agency, right? I can, I can do things. I want my mom to know she raised a, a beautiful, loving, kind, caring, compassionate, artistic daughter, not a body to be used. Right. You yeah, know? that's profound. And, and my mom is my mom has stage four lung cancer. She's dying i mean that's that's the pill that's the big pill here um and it was sobering to think of her dying and thinking of her daughter as um i know she would never think i'm trash but 
But that's all I was used for here. Well, I think you just, you know, she doesn't control the the arc of history and how the culture no. ends up no. that you had to that you had to exist in. So it's important to remember I that. I didn't want her to pity me. I yeah. guess is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean, just keep it, that in mind. Like we, yeah. nobody creates the culture that you live in. Like the previous generation was so busy being manipulated to buy things they didn't need that they don't even know what happened to us uh, Gen X kids and the people that follow because everyone's been right. perpetually well, see, a young I'm, person. There's a obviously pro pro patriarchy pro patriarchy movement going on, um, and I'm very much for I'm pro man. I think men should lead. I'm I'm for that. You know, I I think women are just as capable though, and I think I think when you it's almost coercive controlling at this point, um, this patriarchy stuff, right? Because it's used as a, as a hammer to control women, to, to, to keep them in line. They're using this men should be leading role and really taking it to the extreme to dehumanize women at this point. Yeah, it's an absurdity. And I... I'm desperately trying to find how we can come to this middle ground where men understand women. Women are are human beings. We have souls, right? We have purposes. We have meaning. I don't believe I was put here solely to pump out babies or to let my husband, you know, satisfy his needs with. I, I just firmly believe that's not my purpose or, or reason God. I don't think it's anyone's purpose. I think, no. I, I don't think that's anyone's purpose. It's a function. It's like, is your purpose to, to eat? You know, this but here's is the thing, but here's the thing. You have to attack it from so many different angles because it is a culture problem. It's also a individual problem. Culture has contributed to women's feeling a lack of worth, you know, through, TV, movies, magazines, you see all these bodies, right? You see all yeah. these bodies. You hear, you, hear, you hear boys in school, young school, you know, grade school, talking about bodies, you know, pretty girls, all of this. Every song, so, every song is, I want to your body. Let's touch your body. Let me see your body. Let me, let me do this to your body. Like everything is about the body and not the soul. You're absolutely right. And so it was bad when I was growing up. Okay. And so I know it's got to be even worse now for young girls. When I was growing up seven, eight, nine years old, it started hearing the boys in class talking about girls. And I, I, that, that really screwed with me, you know, my whole life and probably contributed to a large part of why I chose who I chose to marry and stuff like that. Um, and I just don't know. Like I said, there's so many, there's so many battlefronts going on. You've got culture. You've got people just growing up with not understanding their their worth, that they're here for a reason, and it's a mess, Mike. Well, the thing is that I wanted to just reel back to is the 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 fact that humans are part animal, part spirit, right? Mm-hmm. We both have spirits, but we both have animal sides. I, I have to eat because food is nourishing and delicious, and I crave mm. it. 
Every man likes sex because it's pleasurable. Every person walking this earth probably likes sex because it's pleasurable. But those are animal needs. Those are animal needs. And so what I see is that the cultivation of the animal side of the human creature has turned up to to 100 for about 25 years now. And that's why Mm -hmm. people are easily glomming on to an identity that revolves around how they like to have sex. Mm-hmm. Me, 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 me. Yeah, me, 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 me. My pleasure, my 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 balkanized little island. Here's, because you know. because sex isn't. I agree, it is animalistic. However, however, the the point, the joining of the two spirits is the ultimate goal, right? I believe oh, yeah, so far absolutely. gone past that. We have yeah. so far gone past that. Well, um, humans are good at making everything concentrated. It's like, you know, I mm-hmm. use cannabis. I'm very open about it. I prefer to mm-hmm. have a little flour, but, you know, there's a scientist that figured out how to concentrate it down. That's all the culture is. It's concentrated sexuality. It is. It is. But do you think, do you think it's because we're overpopulated culture at just everything? What do you think? No, I think it's because a select few group of people would rather manipulate the hell out of everyone else for profit and gain. And they know the easiest mm-hmm. way to do that is to stick a dildo in one hand and a drug Sex, in the other drugs. hand. Yeah. yeah. And just, just play to your animal, your basest animal desires by ripping down mm-hmm. all the things that held up the spiritual side of our, of our culture. So they ripped all that down and over time. Humans and, are weak. Yeah. 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 We've allowed so, it to happen. Exactly. So that's, you know, what I tell my daughter is we don't go to church uh, just because we're, we have to at Sunday. We're, we're literally, we're checking out of this world for a day and all of its bullshit. And we're just going to like look at Christ and listen to the priest and hear the homily and absorb it and have a peaceful day because that's our, nobody's going to take that peace from us. I, and then, I and then on I, Monday, and then on Monday you get back online and back. it's just like twerking videos and all that stuff. Yeah. And it's fine. I think I, I think I told you before, church on Sundays is is a, is my safe haven, right? It's my safe spot where nobody knows where I'm at. I'm just it's me and God, okay? And then well, he yes, knows, he knows, return, right? He knows, but but then return right back to this chaotic world on Monday. But you need that that break, right? You need that. Yeah. And you could say that all of your little pieces of art are prayers throughout the week. Ooh, I like that. Well, I think that's you what know, they are. This all started my art, to be honest with you. I needed something to hold myself accountable, right? Because every morning it, I, I wanted to die. I didn't want to get out of bed. I had two children I had to take care of. Um, all my friends had abandoned me by this point. My mom had either started chemo or, or was about to start chemo. And, and it was still unknown how long she would even be around. Um, and so I started doing art daily to hold myself accountable. If you can get up, get out of bed, do one piece of art cake, you're doing good. You're doing okay. And I have done that every day for almost two and a half years now. Two and a half years, my. You were gardening pieces of your soul that were still there. You were, you were cultivating and bringing up that beautiful thing inside you that was missing. It was always there. It was just always buried there. on, it was just buried mm-hmm. under stuff. And so those daily creations that you made, which you weren't monetizing them, you weren't trying to make NFTs back then. Mm-hmm. You weren't participating in anything that had 
it had nothing to do with anything other nothing. than that was that was your access to touching the mysterious beauty yep. that was gone. And you know what's beautiful about it? I, I, well, I have some right here. I go through that art. I mean, look, I have like folders, right? Just folders of art. But I go through this. There's things I don't remember even, even doing. And, but when I look at them, I'm like, oh, another piece to the puzzle. Oh my God. Yeah. Isn't right? that great? There's another piece. Okay. So my life is starting to, everything's starting to make sense now. Very good. Very and, good. But, but a lot of people don't have that. They don't have that clarity. So well, they're still they don't have the op- they don't they don't have the the they don't have the moment of truth that forces them to find that clarity because evil really Absolutely. spends a long time keeping you away from that moment of truth. It's that yeah. slow, 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 torturous death so that it's too late when you find out. But it wasn't too late for you, obviously, because we're talking right mm-hmm. now and you're mm-hmm. healing and you're getting mm-hmm. better. And anyone who's listening to this podcast, I got to tell you, I'm looking at a giant pile of art that you just showed me. <laughs> you're yeah. absolutely, you know, you're in there all the time mm-hmm. using your mm-hmm. vocation that you were given. So it's mm-hmm. beautiful. I do. Um, yeah, it, it's a beautiful story. It really is as tragic. And, and I have to keep telling myself that, you know, because I still get down. I'm, I'm still going through a whole lot of stuff. And, but then I, when I look at this art and I go, my God, how beautiful, how beautiful. And I will die someday knowing that I have touched people's lives. I have hopefully helped other people heal or um, begin clarity to start healing. And I've just left a legacy. I've left my soul behind. And I think and so the, I call that a win. So I think that's a big win, you know. That is a big win. And I think mm-hmm. that it's it's lost to most people the mm-hmm. significance of the small thing. I mean, there's, there's, uh, you know, a bullhorn shouting at us what Mm -hmm. it wants us to hear, but Mm -hmm. it is drowned out by everybody who turns away and does the small thing. And that's been my motivation, as you know, from listening to my shows, just get, yeah, just get the small things to like bubble up. You just saw what they add up. You just saw what they added up to. Yeah. All those small things will eventually be one huge life changing thing. Well, I think it's in process, and I'm I'm honored that I get to have you on this podcast to talk about it because mm-hmm. it's a it's a journey that all of us artists are on. I think when I talked to you on the phone, I, I said, see, "I'm one, so weirded out to be called an artist." I'm like, "I'm just a no, I'm a stay home mom." What are you talking about? No, I think we're all we're, we should all call ourselves artists. I, mean, I look, agree. I agree. Don't, don't That's something them, I need to work on. Don't let the left run away with saying it, and it's true. Like, try it sometime. Just say whatever you want. You want it's to talk true. about a hard world, Mike? Being an artist, in, in, being a conservative, conservative artist, that's a tough world to be in. Um, I, I didn't know ostracization happened that bad until I tried to put myself out there at first. Um, as like, as, a con- as like a concert classic valued person well, trying to make not art. even that you, you can go through my timeline on twitter and clearly tell that i'm pro god pro man pro family pro all of that right clearly i'm i lean conservative um and i got shunned for it for a while and i'm going okay so do i fit in anywhere in this world it was another blowback to be honest with you 
It oh, was I know another, that. I know that feeling. I still feel that. I still feel and that. I think that was right at the time you just appeared in my life out of nowhere, and I was like, oh, okay, nice. Okay. And it was a save because for for a brief moment I thought I really am alone. I really am alone. Yeah. And it was a divine intervention for sure. Let me tell you a little something that happened to me many years ago that'll relate to this. Mm-hmm. For the longest time, you know, I lived in New York City. Um, I've been married for a long time. My wife and I have are blessed to have a, a wonderful relationship. But everywhere mm-hmm. we would go, it doesn't matter if I'm in New York, Los Angeles, somebody would always stop me and ask me directions. <laughs> Every single time. I mean, it doesn't matter where you I was. You don't look like a direction guy. I think I have a friendly face, right? Like I have like oh. your little kid brother face, maybe. Most people mm-hmm. don't, they don't, they're not afraid to talk to me. I'm I'm always making friends everywhere I go. But the point is a total stranger, no matter where I am, would say, hey, do you know where Carnegie Hall is? And I'd be like, it's this way, that way, that way. At a certain point, I got really annoyed with it. <laughs> and I started to like give people the wrong directions. Was, <gasps> You're such a jerk. It was around the same time that I lost my way in life. And I thought that was pretty interesting. And so what Mm. I do with my podcast is I passionately give people the right directions. Mm. Because I have to make up for that bastardy way that I just was like, people want my help? Oh, I'm so busy. Here, go this way. And I'd send them in the wrong direction. And then Mm -hmm. I started going in the wrong direction too. So I don't think that the, the, the way that... God is in our lives is even comprehensible to most of us. But I think a moment like that is one of them. Yes. Yes. And so that's, so that's what I do. And as I try to tell people, this is the right way to go. What do you think made you understand that connection though? And what makes you, what, what, what makes me understand connections where other people would be oblivious to what you went through that connection? Well, I have a hard time with this. Uh, what I'm about to say, but unfortunately it's true. Um, I've been told more than once, Hey, most people are stupid. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't like to accept that because that's my friends and neighbors. That's you and me. What do you mean? We're stupid, but I, I, I don't think we're stupid. I just, I had enough experience inside the business of manipulating and cultivating qualities in people through mm-hmm. show business mm-hmm. that I kind mm-hmm. of, I, I put the pieces together mm-hmm. and I said, Oh, that's all they're doing. And so it's just keep everyone all, you know, fucked up so they can't compete with us and then keep selling them shit. And that's all so that's you knew going the game. on. I knew, you the, knew game. the game. But I didn't know mm-hmm. the game until I went through it, got chewed up, spit out. But also yeah. I think some of us just have that dreamer sense. Is that a dog? You can hear him licking. Yes, that's fine. That's yeah. adorable. It's not a dog. It's a wolf. It's oh. a wolf. Oh, he's having water. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, I oh, have sorry. dogs, so I know. No, that's okay. <laughs> just want, I just want people. To, yeah, anyone listening, that's just a dog, like, my friends. It's just a dog. Come here. Don't tell me his name because I don't want to know your password. Oh, he's adorable. <laughs> he's a gorgeous he's dog. Um, cloud. Cloud. That's cloud. All right. With a K. With a K because I'm different. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So that was. That was the motivation is knowing the game, knowing the manipulation and understanding that the parallel to what I just told you is right. The game is all about giving you the wrong directions. And see, I, 
I don't think anybody knows the game until it slaps them in the face and they are on their rear. Absolutely. And I'm going to say this. I said this yesterday. People who don't know it's a game are the only ones who get their feelings hurt. Because people, gosh, how am I trying to say this? People always, always say, you know, cake, how do I heal? Or, or just society as a whole, any, any, anything they've gone through in life, I do not think can get them on the healing path until they go through something so completely horrific and traumatizing. They have no other choice but to move forward and, and, and heal from, from a, a lifetime of hurts, right? Do you feel I, that the system is set up in such a way oh, to prevent that moment of realization? And that's why the socialist system is getting more and more uh, evil, because if you couldn't fall, you couldn't find that truth, could you? You want to know what, Mike? You want to know the biggest pill I had to swallow? I... So my husband did criminally illegal things to me, right? And enough to where I, I had to call the police and he was charged with a crime, okay? And the district attorney, the prosecutor, thought so little of me as a human being, he couldn't even get the get the case to grand jury on time before the statute of limitations ran out by three weeks, three weeks. And let me explain to you. I had, I, all of my privacy had been horrifically violated. I hope nobody ever has to sit and contemplate calling the police on their husband and the father of their children. It, it took me a week to build up the courage to do that. And I had to go sit in a tiny room with a detective to watch videos of me in privacy. And same with prosecutor, other men in the legal profession. And they never once gave you a woman to sit and just no, at the, least the, one, the police officer, the police officer that came to my house the day I called was a woman. And um, so it wasn't just the act that got me. It wasn't, just the DA neglecting me as a human being. It was all of that, that, that nobody understands that I even had to go through to, to even get charges pressed on him, right? For, for an entire week, I had a war with myself about calling the police on my husband and father of my children or not following my morals. It was either turn against yourself or do what's right. And I still pay for that decision because the DA neglected me as a human being. I wasn't important enough, right? I'm not a murder victim. I'm not going to get anybody reelected. My story's not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. And so... No, in the grand scheme of things, it is a big deal. In the ridiculous human scheme of things, it doesn't fit the mold for taking advantage of it. So when you ask if the system is against that kind of... It, absolutely. Absolutely. It keeps me going, right? It yeah. keeps me going. Constantly going, going, going. 
There's no, there's no resolution. It's me having to literally daily tell myself there'll be justice, maybe not here, maybe not on earth. Absolutely. How, how far away do you think you are from just accepting that this is the world we live in and, and your job, and your job is to teach your daughter to avoid this. Absolutely. I've accepted it. Um, now that doesn't stop me from continuing to push for justice and what's fair and um, to not enable people any longer. The system, you know, as soon as this is all over and done with, my priority is to go very public with my real story and and the system just absolutely leaving me behind, leaving yeah. my children behind. Good people, good humans who have done nothing wrong. Right. And so you've got this, this woman, you know, raising two kids, understanding for the first time she's on her own, but has people like you as tools, right, to, to help me. And, and I, I've, I've come to terms with, for two and a half years, my dying mother's retirement that has paid for, you know, to, to legally protect the kids and I, has just been squandered away by a bunch of attorneys, by a bunch of judges, you know, professionals, experts, mental health professionals. It, it's just people who had kids, no... I look at them, you know, these people, their kids are going to, to private schools, right? While mine are, are just struggling to even get in the door in the morning of their public school because their life is so chaotic right now. Right. And I just go, I... We, this shouldn't happen, this shouldn't, but here I am. And yeah. so this is, again, why I use my art, my voice to, to, to culturally get this out there. Something's got to change. Well, I think that part of the change is exactly what we're doing right now. Connecting mm-hmm. with total strangers, identifying mm-hmm. each other as identifying each other as human beings with souls, mm-hmm. and caring enough to want to hear what happened to that soul in their journey on this world. Mm-hmm. And then providing hope to each other. Strangers, I don't know you. Mm-hmm. This is the first time I'm ever seeing you. And mm-hmm. to provide some wind at each other's back since we don't get it from our cultural institutions from the institutions that failed you so we really only have each other and the only way to know that is to cry out the way you have been and to say this this is not right and you know you and i are friends with ross on twitter and i always tell him you know you guys have saved me and he always says no you saved yourself you know how ross is and i'm like no, I don't think you understand, though, Ross. You, you guys have saved me. In turn, I've been able to save myself. You know. And, and you're helping. Back. And let's not forget. And give back. Yeah, there's strangers you're saving. It's a mystery. Like you don't know what it is about one picture you drew that hits this one person just the right way on a Saturday mm-hmm. afternoon. You have no clue about that. Your job is just to keep putting it out there. That's how you save everyone else while saving yourself. Absolutely. You, I can say it better. I can say it better. 
Thank you. You know, because, because I don't even know sometimes what my art means. And if I do, it, it changes, right? Something I made because I wanted to go outside and throw plates but can't might make me giggle down the line. And I just go, what kind of headspace were you in, girlfriend? But I got it out. I got it out. And I still have plates that aren't smashed. So Well, I think you're in I think you're in constant I think you're in constant company with the mystery of life. And you probably still don't even realize how significant it is in wrapping and wrapping its arms around you essentially and giving you these little things to do and work on and inspire you and the fact that you see them and you don't know why you created them just is an indication to me that I'm talking to a real artist so don't ever say wow being called an artist is strange it's like when I hear somebody who says I'm a writer and you know I love it that's not a real writer no real writer likes writing it's just a fact tear up a little bit but you know what I'm saying? There's so many people know what to say and know what to do, but the people who are having the real experience, like you, are mm-hmm. always confused by it. I have no idea what I'm doing half the time. Yeah, and it's beautiful. And it ends up amazing. Yeah, and keep not knowing because it's you're accessing something incredible, and, and I think you really are. You're growing a new soul. You're healing your soul one piece of art at a time, and it's it's really nice to see. And you know what? I do it all because I've never lost hope. Ever. Because that sun comes up every morning. And I know as as long as that happens, I I, I have hope. Right? Something can change. Something. So let me ask you something about a particular piece of art of yours that you shared the other day. You said it's one of the first things you created. um, And it makes you laugh all the time. And there was the redheaded, I think it's you holding Christ's hand and then all these characters around Oh, my it. first NFT? Yeah. <gasps> so, the Last Supper. Oh, my gosh. But I just have a question about it. Because mm-hmm. um, I see things, you know, if you think about the days that you spend looking online, if you think, you see images over time, and I've seen that mm-hmm. little face and smile of the little weird, you know, is that yours? Did you invent that? Of what? The, the, the me? Yeah, the, the little face, the little smiling. No, those are Wojaks, Mike. Gosh, are I, you a boomer? I, I don't know anything Do you about. Do not know it. these things? No, I don't know. Okay, no, <laughs> those are called Wojaks, right? Ah, okay. Um, like NPC memes. Uh, <laughs> Am I a boomer? That's funny. You are such a boomer. Okay, you're gonna have to have somebody else explain this to you because I don't know. All no, I that's know is okay. Hysterical. Okay. They're hysterical. They're supposed to represent basically like. Um, you know, information transfer. These are these are these are the NPCs of the world, the followers, the sheeps, the the, the yeah. chads. You know, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean. No, it's a, it's good. I just was under the impression that maybe that was something you had created. Good but... God, I wish I would have invented that. Yeah. Okay. I have no idea. They, it's just like manifested. I started with one, and there's like millions of them now. Yeah. No, I think it's great too. There. That's a. It's a great piece of art. That was a. That was a out of left field adventure for me. I, I used to be so against art on the computer. I'm, I was very much like even writing, you have to do pen to paper. You can't type. And I just was like, you know what the hell? So one day I sat down on Photoshop and really loved painting on Photoshop. I could like, I could, I could really see the pixels of the colors mixing, you know, more so than when you're doing it in your, on your palette. And 
it was like mesmerizing. And, and so I made that and it was hysterical. It makes me die laughing every time I see it. And I thought, okay, so I can also dabble in digital art. I'm just going to do it all. I'm going to do all the things, right? Yeah. Do whatever you want. Now, here's one question I have for you. Are you too hard on yourself all the time? Extremely. I, I was an only child. I was a professionally trained ballerina. I straight A's. I, yes. So do you feel that you've always tried to back into others' expectations? Oh, for sure. Oh, from for the sure. time of, you know, cause I have an only child. Uh, so, so from the time of mm-hmm. being young and having your parents' expectations on you, you but tried to, you tried to fulfill those things, right? You're still married. Yes. You're still married. There's a huge difference here, right? Because I was also trying to please to totally. What, yeah. Two opposites. Parents. Mm-hmm. But, but yes, yeah, she will try to live up to your expectations because she's nobody else. Oh so man. You have to be very careful what you said on her. My parents, um, they weren't overly hard on me, but they very much were, were like, you're special. You need to give it your all. I'm not raising a quitter. And um, now I see how that has helped me in this experience. Growing up, I was always like, oh, my gosh, I have to be the golden child because I am the only child. And so. Interesting. You know. Have you heard the saying, don't let perfect be the enemy of good? You know, when I saw that the other day, actually. Yeah. Was that you that wrote that? Yes. But it's it was be- you. Okay. Yeah. Because it does. First time I've seen it. Yeah. It comes, it comes in handy to keep reminding yourself that when you're doing anything. That the people, you know, we complain about the culture. It's a bunch of people who threw good out into the world. Where someone like you is like, wait, it must be perfect. Right? So. But, but, this, is, but this is a juxtaposition. Because I put my life out there that is absolutely not perfect. And so, I mean, some of my writings have like just really raw things in them that make me not in such a great light. I, I'm very public about my growth and, and my failings, my, my shadows, my weaknesses. But I am very much a perfectionist. And so the, the difference there I don't know why I do it. I don't know. Maybe it's part of me going like, I know I don't have to be perfect. So here's, here's this raw part. Here you go. Now don't ask me about anything else. Let me go be perfect again. I don't know. Yeah. I just think it's something to dwell on for people who have gone through anything, especially if you've Mm -hmm. ever tried to fulfill someone else's desires for you. Um, so I just think that that's, we don't want to be outcast. We don't want to, you know, be lonely. We want to be liked. Yeah, everybody I wants just, to fit in. I just overly wanted to be liked. But that was that was my personal struggle. Again, probably from being an only child. Probably from culture saying, you know, girls girls have to wear dresses and, and be pretty and not say anything and, and grow up to be moms. And here I am in my, my brain and my body, this shell going. But I like to go play football with the boys. I like, you know. I like to do things that girls aren't supposed to do. And but those, those, but that, that world was defined for you by people that don't care about you. They care even less about you. Than- Just think about this, though. This is for all of our children. All yeah. Of them. Yeah. I wasn't special. 
yeah. special. Yeah, no, I think that's an important thing to, to keep in mind is none mm-hmm. of us are, we're special, we're unique, but we're not, nobody owes us anything. We all still at seven years old, eight years old, have, have those thoughts going through our mind, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I remember I had, I obviously have curly hair. I used to cry going to school some mornings because I wanted straight hair so bad. Like, but why? And because everyone else because has straight the hair. Boys, because the boys always liked the girls with the straight hair. Okay, his mind was curly. It was frizzy. It was like it was a mess. I didn't know what to do with it at that age. My and my mom was a working. She didn't know what to do with. She didn't have time. Right. And so. My daughter, six years old, just the other day, didn't want to wear a pair of pants because she didn't like how they fit. And I'm like, oh, God. It's, it's starting. starting at yeah. six years old. And that terrifies me. Because I know every kid at their school has the same thoughts. Every kid out there has these same thoughts. And so I, what can we do to make them comfortable with themselves, you know? And I don't know if this is just a part of the process that they have to figure out for themselves. I, I think know. it is. I think it is. But I, I can give some insight there because I think I've, I may have succeeded at, at okay. preventing a child from having that, th- that thought. Oh. I've spent my entire life. I mean, the entire, the entire time my child is, what's that? Train. Got it. Okay. Here's how I think I've avoided uh, the trappings of the world with my daughter is I spent a, every time I could with her teaching her about the manipulation that she was seeing on television in real time. As a matter of fact, I turned it into a game and I said, let's watch every commercial. And before we know what the product is, let's figure out what they're trying to convince us to buy. I'm writing this down because that is flipping genius. Well, thank you. And let me tell you why, because, because having a parent as a manipulator and you can't, you can't tell them that, right. You can't say like, just wait, because this person's going to do things and they're not a good person. So that's a genius way to teach them about manipulators. Because I can't say anything. Right. Well, you just have to show them that everyone is is subject to the same manipulation. And, and I keep telling her, I said, you have two choices in this world. You can either exist on the receiving end of the manipulation or you can move outside of that and you can manipulate for a living. And, you know, I'm putting a young person into the world with values that are not going to manipulate you into buying a pair of jeans you don't need, but she's probably not going to be victimized by the culture because she's looking at it as, oh, you think you got me? Well, I got you, right? And so I think just making... Moral manipulation. Make, yeah, I think just making... I call it moral them, manipulation. I think just making our children wise by never stopping that conversation. It must get tiresome to my daughter, but I'll hear a song that we're listening to and, and I'll, uh, I'll turn down the radio. I'll be like, do you know what they just said? Like this song, I, I, I tell her every great song is a love song, a true love song, but all these songs that you're listening to, let's, let's break down the lyrics. Right. So we just break it down. I'm like, he's talking oh, about, so awesome. he's like, girl, I want to touch your body. And the girl is answering back. Like, I'll do whatever you want. I'm like, do you feel that way about yourself? And she's like, no. I'm like, well, then don't let anyone tell you to feel that way about yourself. So giving context, I think, is critical. And let me tell you, coming from, a, coming from her father is going to impact her that much more. 
These are the things men need to be telling their daughters. It's not the same coming from a mom. It's not. It's not the same. And you just did a really big thing for her. Well, I hope so. And my kid's going to have a hard time rebelling. I I feel like I lived, I was a rebel, but I, I feel like I lived under a rock, probably growing up in a small town. I had no idea evil existed. I had no idea manipulation existed. I just thought people were assholes sometimes, you know? When did your parents get divorced? When I was two. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's significant. That is significant. Well, I have, I found a book called Dads and Daughters that I read uh, before my Mm. daughter was born. And it did say that even on a woman's deathbed, she'll think of her dad. Right. And Mm. one of the things that stuck out to me is that when a girl is separated from her father at a young age, she will try to replace him with other boys and men. And and so really the biggest danger of these divorces, especially when there's a daughter involved, is they you create you almost you you create the perfect candidate to be manipulated into a sex item. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because they think that's love. I did. Well, I did have a step. My stepfather came into my life when I was eight, I believe. So from two to six or two to eight. So for six years, there was no male other than my father, who I saw every other weekend in my life. And he was he was not a good man either. So when I was spending time with him, it wasn't genuine father-daughter time that I needed. You felt like it so, was because we're supposed to be together. I guess we have to. He was Disneyland fun dad, right? Okay. Like, there was never any talking, even even... Even until adulthood, there was no talking to me about my worth. Everything came from my mom. And if my stepdad felt comfortable enough, he would he would chime in as well, too. Um, so I, I eventually did get male influence in my life, although step, step parents, you know, they have to walk that line. He couldn't just jump in and be my dad and sit down with me and tell me I was beautiful. and you know, Our boys touching me, talking to me. And he couldn't do that. But he did, he did the best he could. And so I did get a little bit of masculine um, influence in my life that, that has probably saved me from going down a really bad path as far as looking externally um, to find my worth. Um, but God, it is so important. You are right. It is so important. Let me tell you how devastating that path is because I've seen it in real life. I've been at famous actors' houses when a young girl that the guy met, like I went to this guy's house, I can't tell you his name, not a very good person, very famous. And I stopped by his apartment and he had a young girl that he met over in Hollywood Boulevard where he would go walk so people would recognize him. And she looked like a trapped animal. Like she looked like she didn't know if she should be there. His apartment was like a drug den. I mean, it was terrible. And so I saw that happen, and I'm sure she did something that she regrets with him after I left. Another time I'm out, I told this this pod, uh, episode on a podcast, I was out with Matthew McConaughey. And great guy, awesome guy. Go out <laughs> drinking. Like, no, really, I would love to see him be the governor of your state. He's really what you need. But I, I, I agree. But his fame was massive. I got, him, I got <laughs> nice invited out with him. I'm, I'm the little nobody trailing, you know, behind. 
And we go to this. I'm not going to act like I'm going to fan. I'm just, I'm holding it together. I'm not a groupie. I'm not a fangirl. I'm holding it together okay. right now. I'm like, well, listen, he's not a bad guy, but I will tell you a very beautiful woman came back to his hotel with him. He was living at the Chateau mm-hmm. Marmont. And she looked at me, the least famous, unknown individual, nobody in the crowd, and said, am I going to be safe? Oh, God. And I'm like, I'm not a dad yet. I'm not married. I'm in a stable. I'm like, I've been with my wife since 1995. It's not like I've never had that tick in my head where I'm like, I must have all these women. That wasn't something that ever infected me. Thank God. But Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I saw, I felt so sad for her. And all I could think was like, why are you even going? If that's your question. But another guy bumped in real quick, another actor. And he was like, you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. It's good guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. But that's where that that's where that's where it goes. It goes to women feeling like the only thing they have to offer is between their legs or their mouth. And that gives them access to this other world of money and wealth and things that for whatever reason is appealing. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be appealing. One of the last things I I said to my husband and, and I recall it because I was just looking through evidence the other day was that. I could not understand how he could enable women whose fathers didn't care about them, I think is is verbatim what I said. How can you look at these women whose fathers treated them so horribly and enable them to to keep doing this to themselves? Because that's what it was. That's all it was. It was just a, a circle of broken humans. That's right. I think when I talked to you on the phone, I, I referenced Broken Toy Island. If you remember from the Christmas special, mm-hmm. right. all the all the yeah. toys were on Broken yeah. Toy Island. And mm-hmm. so one of mm-hmm. the reasons I, I'm so passionate about connecting with people like you, building a community, even if it's distant. That's why I said I feel I feel your vibes rippling out from Texas. I really do. Mm-hmm. I don't say that about a lot of people. And I think Ta-da. a, a lot Ta-da. of people feel your feel you. You know what I'm saying? And um and it's just, is it real? Yeah, it's real. It's really real. But I really am sitting here like how this whole, this whole meeting you was just divine. Awesome. And, and you can't, you can't squander opportunities like that, right? You can't, when somebody's literally put in your life, when you're begging for somebody to be put in your life, not, not romantically, not like we're going to be BFFs, just somebody to understand me that gets me. So I don't feel so alone in my head anymore. And you were like there. Well, I think that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to do, Cake. I'm trying to collect all of us because I know we outnumber everybody else. I don't know what kind of THC <laughs> gift you've got going on, but it's, it's amazing how you're able to, to find these souls because they're all amazing people. Yeah, they really are. And doing amazing things. And I'm so excited to see all of us as a collective just spread hope and, and, and good vibes and let, you know, get people back on track. Like, if I could say anything to anybody right now, it would be don't ever feel ashamed, scared, fear to tell your story. Society is going to tell you you can't. I still get told you shouldn't. You shouldn't. You shouldn't be telling your story. You shouldn't talk about that. Things should be kept offline in private. And I go, mm mm. 
No, because when I wanted to die three years ago and I was sitting in a room by myself, desperate to, to find somebody that had been through my situation. I couldn't find anything on anybody that had been through what I'd been through. And I made a vow that I would never let any other woman sit on her bed, desperate for, for like, where do I turn now? Where do I go now? Um, because that was a horrible feeling for me. And so I'm gonna tell my story. Nobody's gonna scare me away from it because like I said, I'll never let somebody else sit out there thinking they're alone. They, nobody understands them. Well, the thing is, the way we connect and the way that it's been beneficial to you and me indicates that it doesn't matter the official particulars of the story. Mm-hmm. What matters is that people recognize this dynamic of dehumanizing yeah. each other only stops when we look and face one another like you are, you and I are right now, and we just say, hello. You know, there's a root. Right? This is a simple, like on Twitter, we get along great. That's it. We get along great on Twitter and that's all fun. But just looking at you and saying, hi, cake is so much more real. And you may, you know, there's people like, I hate certain accounts on Twitter because I see them using politics to just basically pay their way through not having to get a real job. And I, I really can't stand it. I can't stand how right. politics is the most important cultural show business thing on the right. It's just a disaster to me. And I, I hate the way people are like that. But everybody who's like willing to give an F you or shoot someone down, if I run into that person in real life, we're going to get along. And I know it. And it does because nobody's going to say that. Like nobody's going to be that sarcastic and snarky in real life. The person who tweets the dumbest shit that everyone is like, "Can you believe it?" goes to Starbucks and is like, "Oh, can I have a large double latte?" And uh, right, you, know, right? you know what I mean. So it's just it's, so stupid. What do you do? Because people believe it. People believe it. We got to make them unbelieve it by keep growing, by keep going, by keep creating little pieces of art. What I'm trying to create well, is... Lord, nobody's going to keep me down. I am not stopping, so you don't have to worry about that. Yes, and and that's what I that's why I started Sub Pop Culture, is I didn't want to monetize it. I'm not trying to sell you t-shirts. I don't want to take the saying of the week and put it on a candle and have you buy it. That's not my business model. Right. My business model right. is finding as many people like you as I possibly mm-hmm. can and helping them go down the right path to healing and making themselves better which therefore, as a rising tide, wipes away all the bullshit. It's not going to happen overnight. Maybe 10 years from now, I'm going to reconnect with you in person. And I'll be like, hey, Cake, I'm in, I'm in Texas with my family. Come meet us for breakfast. And you're going to be like, oh, I'm closing my art gallery at 7. Uh, so I can't be there till 7.30. Like, you got to put those visions of your future, your positive future, in your imagination. My doctor husband will be home soon. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think doctors are overrated. I totally agree. At this point. My, and you've had a, you've had, I, I don't think you understand how large of a, of a role you've had um, in where I'm at today. I do. Cause I got just, a phone call from just, Ross and Ross told me, what he, he just said, like, I, I was sobbing on the floor. No, no. He just called me and he just said, Hey buddy, I just wanted to let you know that you've been interacting and, and I talked to Cake and, you know, she said, you've been really, you've been really beneficial to her. 
and you can ask him. I said, great. Then I did my job. Like that's all I want. I just, I just, I like look at every individual that I can connect with. And it's just like, how do I bring cake online? You know what I mean? Turn you back on. Well, you did it. Good. And I'm so grateful. Good. And I'm going to spread it. I'm going to, I'm going to pay it forward. However I can. Yeah. You just, just help the other stranger that you meet. Just keep doing what I'm doing. Just keep helping the strangers. Just keep being that person. I'll tell you one of the kindest things that ever happened to me right after my life exploded. I was taking my kids to school one morning and every morning I used to stop to get um, a Mountain Dew. It was like my guilty pleasure of the day. And it was probably only a couple of days after I'd filed the, the, um, what are they called? Those drive-through window girls, the worker. I guess I could just say the worker, the drive-through window worker. I went to hand her my money and she just smiled at me and said, don't worry about it. And it was, my crisis was so fresh at that point. I immediately started sobbing, right? Immediately. There was no like, okay, just pull forward and cry. Like it, and so she looked at me and I looked at her and I just said, thanks and drove off. My kids were in the back behind me. They're looking at mom who is sobbing. And I turned around to them because I didn't want them thinking something was wrong with me. Right. I turned around and I said, you know, that lady gave mommy, um, a free drink and mommy really needed that kindness right now. And so mommy's crying because of how kind she was. And it's making me full of joy and, and happiness. And so I, you know, I, I try to get them to understand. I was so overwhelmed with just complete, Oh my God, there are good people out in the world. It, it, it literally, flooded me with emotions. You know, it, it was so powerful. I want you to know your kids are going to be just fine. You know why? Because you told them that right. that lady gave you kindness. You could have said she gave me a free Mountain Dew. Mm-mm. But no, she gave me kindness. it was kindness. Yeah. I knew what the gift was that day. Yeah. And and you communicated it to them. You're, you're, you're doing exactly what I do. So we, you know, you got distracted from your, your abilities to do that from all the dramas. But if we're that mm-hmm. similar and I believe it, then Yeah. You're doing the same thing and you're going to keep doing it and you're going to be successful at it. So I'm grateful for you. Yeah, no, and I'm grateful to know you and I'm grateful that you let me publish your article. That One of your blog posts is my very first article. And, and mm-hmm. I'm just grateful for the interactions we have. And I know that there's a lot of people praying for you, rooting for you. And look at what, you know, it's not like CBS or the fame business is going to ever highlight these little interactions that people like us have, but they far outnumber the evening news. And if we can just keep cultivating them amongst each other and amongst ourselves, and we can recognize the value that we all have as mysterious creations of the Lord, mm-hmm. I think that things will get better. And so I believe you're like a Joan of Arc on this team. And, uh, I, you know, the sword is back in your hand. I'm going to, I'm going to do something with it. Yeah. You already are. I won't ever give up. Yeah. I won't ever give up. Yeah. yeah. And you already are doing something with it. It's been an amazing conversation with you and I'd like to do this again and check in with you maybe six, seven months from now and see what's changed and the efforts that you've taken to continue down this great path that, that we both know we all have to grab strangers and take them with us down it. So I appreciate you. Your art is incredible. Your story is amazing. 
your healing is inspiring and your reluctance to give up is is human and and that is what humanizes you you're not dead mm-hmm. you, you know chesterton said uh, only a living thing can go against the stream because a dead thing just flows with the water you're a living thing it, you know what it's it's the never ending story that's right that's right that's my favorite movie mine too and i'm going to walk past the southern oracles because I believe in myself. That's right. That's a great way to end mm-hmm. this episode is telling everybody, you know, get to your Southern Oracle, first of all, mm-hmm. and then walk right mm-hmm. through it, mm-hmm. believing in yourself. Absolutely. Run, run, run with the speed of a bullet from a gun. Touch base, base, base.